Well, um, we are we are in the very middle of a brief series on stewardship, and I know you're all good Christians because you knew that and you came back anyway. So, so um, today we're going to talk about stewardship some more. Um, last week I talked about stewardship, and I know that you know that sometimes stewardship is preacher code for give money to the church. And so I'm aware of that. But last week what we saw is that the idea of stewardship is actually a much bigger idea than that. That stewardship is this idea that it, that everything we have is something that it, God owns. And God has entrusted it to us to manage it. So we, we have a portfolio, and the portfolio includes our, our possessions, our bank account, our, our retirement plan, but it also includes things like our, our car, our, our job, our experience, our relationships. All the things that we have come from God, and God wants us to manage them as a portfolio of things. And the way we, we do that, we saw last week, is not by holding on to them tightly, but by doing what God would do with them. And what we know about God is God is a generous God, and so God wants us to be generous people, not to to return it all someday, or even to return it all someday with interest, but to give it away because God has plenty more where that comes from. So that's the big idea of generosity. <clears throat> and we didn't talk at all about giving to the church. So today and next week, I'm going to talk about giving to the church. So the question for us is, okay, so God wants us to be generous. Um, should we be generous to this church? There's all kinds of good good causes that you can support. You know, Doctors Without Borders, um, you know, the, the different disaster relief programs. You could give money to support all kinds of things, uh, local or, or international. So there's all kinds of ways and places you can be generous. So the question is, should you be generous? Should you point some of your generosity at this church? And if so, why? What, what, l- l- let me put it this way. What do you get for your money? If you, if you, support this church, what are you actually supporting with your money? And uh, the answer is you get two things. You get the congregation and you get its mission. So the congregation is the people around you. So look around. You can see that's who you get. Now, they're free, but um, <clears throat> you also get the facility that we're meeting in and you get the paid staff. So you get this congregation, but you also get the mission of the church. The mission of the church we will talk about next week. We, I shouldn't do that. The mission, uh, the, the, the congregation, the church and its mission can't be separated. In fact, about 90 years ago, the theologian, uh, Emil Brunner said this. He said, the church exists by mission just as a fire exists by burning. So you really can't separate them. I'm only separating them in the interest of time so that we don't have to talk about both things today. So you get you get uh, the, the congregation and you get the mission. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the the congregation. And <clears throat> the, the way we're going to talk about it, we're going to follow the way that Paul does in our letter today. Paul talks about the, the, the church, um, what the church is doing, um, and the metaphor that he's using, the, the the picture that he's that he's painted here, is one of having two outfits. That there's there's a um, the clean outfit, like I mentioned to the children, and there's the dirty, grubby outfit. And and maybe this doesn't make as much sense to us as it did then. But if you p- picture yourself in the first century, there might have been a few people, you know, senators and emperors who had more than a couple of pieces of clothing, right? But uh, you know, nobody had as much clothing as we've got. And um, so the average person might have maybe two outfits, maybe just one. And so 
the the outfit they had, you know, the way that they cleaned things in those days is they took it down to the river and beat on it with a rock. So they didn't clean it very often because then they'd have zero outfits. So um, so they probably wearing a pretty grubby outfit most of the time. So picture that. Picture you've been wearing the same clothes in a hot and sweaty place for six months. Okay, that's the grubby clothes he's talking about. Now, he's described it um, earlier in this chapter. He talked about um, the old nature is the grubby clothes, and the new nature is this thing that God is giving them. So what is the old nature like? He says, he says <clears throat> uh, things that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire and greed. So so that's a, an illustration. It's not a co- exhaustive list and you can probably think of other things. In fact, one of the things that attracts people to Christianity is that they've got something where they're not happy with it. They they're not meeting their own their own standards that they are failing to to do to, to to be the people that they'd like to be. And one of the things that attracts people to Christianity is the hope that with God's help or with uh, some kind of process maybe they're not even too too clear about God that somehow or another they could get help with that problem so so uh, Paul is saying uh, Paul is saying those sorts of problems whatever comes to your mind as part of that grubby outfit you'd like to take off that's that's the um, that's the picture he's talking about and so we pick things up in verse 9 and he says um, <clears throat> don't lie to each other so he's saying don't pretend it's not a problem right? Don't come in and, you know, make everybody think that, you know, everything's wonderful, uh, but really you're still dealing with that problem. He says, no, that's not the way to deal with it. Instead, take off the old human nature with its practices. So just remove it. You, you know, don't, don't hide it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't lie to each other, but actually get rid of it. So he says, take off the old human, um, nature and, um, uh, with its practices, and put on the new nature, which is revealed in knowledge um, by conforming to the image of the one who created it. So uh, Paul is is referring to the idea that we see in the, the book of Genesis, right there, page one. It says, God created us in his image, male and female. Uh, God created humanity. So they are in his image and uh, the problem is that the image has been distorted by sin. It's been damaged. If if God's intention was that we would be signposts that that uh, point to Him in in the creation, that everybody in creation can can get some sense of what God is because they see us, that has been distorted, and so they're getting a distorted image of God. And He's saying that that image is being renewed um, by uh, as part of this new nature. Now. Um, our translation says uh, is renewed, and that may make you think that it happened, you know, as quick as a flash. Uh, that's not the best translation. Um, most of the translations I looked at say being renewed. So this idea of it's something that that you're you're uh, working on, you're, you're something you're fitting into, um, not necessarily uh, you know, the blink of an eye. Um, um, and just while I'm while I'm talking about it, you know, I have been studying the biblical languages now for 20 years, and I'm not terrible at either, right? But what I do when when I want to know what a word means in the Bible, what I do is I say, let me consult the the, the experts, and there are lots of experts, and what where they work is on translation teams for Bibles. 
And so what you can do is you can compare different English translations and you'll get a sense of what a team of PhDs all decided the best way to translate something was. And a group did this, but you can also check what other groups said. So um, if you go to BibleGateway.com, you can you can actually type in a verse, you know, Colossians 3:10. And when I did that, I saw most of them actually say being renewed. So so it's um, it's arguable. Maybe that's what they meant when they said renewed. But but it's this idea that you're putting on this outfit, but you you know it's not an instantaneous process. So so you put on this new outfit, um, and uh, when you do the the purpose is to is to um, is to restore that proper image of God. He says, um, uh, by conforming to the image of the one who created it. So God created us and uh, made us in his image. And so the idea is to restore that that image by putting on the new outfit. And he says, in this image there's neither Greek... There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is... All, is all things and in all people. So, um, so Paul's saying that that uh, first of all, I should say, what is a Scythian? I looked this up. So, a Scythian is to a barbarian as a barbarian is to everybody else. So, he's like the the uber uh, barbarian. So, they they were the people who lived around the Black Sea, so kind of the northern shore of Turkey and uh, kind of southern Russia. The, the part of the place where Russia and Ukraine are sinking ships now. So um, so that part of the world, and the Scythians lived there, and they were like the, the ultimate barbarians. So Paul's saying that there's, there's not these divisions anymore. Now, sometimes the way this is understood is that, is that, um, that everybody kind of gets promoted to be just like Jesus, that they're going to look like him. And the problem with that is we've all got different pictures of Jesus, right? We've got the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, right, for example. And so we say, well, if you're, a, if you're a Greek or a Jew, guess what? You get promoted to look like a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, right? So, and, and everybody can do that, right? And I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. I don't think he's saying that everybody gets, a, gets to be an honorary, you know, person who looks like me because Jesus certainly looks like me. I think what he's saying is that when you look at people... You will see Christ first. He says, he says, Christ is, is all things and in all people. Then you look at somebody and say, oh, that's what Christ is like for a Jew. That's what Christ is like for a Greek. That's what Christ is like for a barbarian or for a Scythian. So now I understand Christ a little better that, that, um, in the same way that, that God's image is in, uh, in Genesis, it says male and female, he created them in his image. So this idea that it takes more than one Person to accurately um, communicate uh, the diversity and the richness of God. So, in the same way, when you look at a Greek or a Jew who who Christ is in, you see you still see the Greek and the Jew, but it no longer is something that's divisive, because first and foremost you see Christ. So, so he says um, that's that's what God is doing. That's what this new outfit you're wearing will will make people see. They'll see Christ. First, and not um, somebody who's who's different, and somebody who needs to be changed. So, um, so he says. Uh, so, he says that's what's going on, and that is that is a part of the picture of a church. And I'll come back to this, but but that first thing is to answer the question: Is there is there some hope for me? Is there something I can do to get rid of this grubby outfit I'm wearing? And the answer is yes. So we'll come back to that. But now he he says. 
let's talk a little bit about that outfit. What's it like when you're wearing that outfit? And he says, therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved. So uh, this language is is saying, you don't have to buy this suit. You don't have to, to uh, somehow qualify to wear this suit. He's saying, God already has chosen you. You are holy and loved in God's eyes. And because of that, God is giving you a new suit. So, so he says, therefore, put it on, right? So don't, don't work your way into this suit and then you'll know that God loves you, but rather the, the opposite direction. You are God's choice. You're holy and loved. So with that, put on the suit. What does the suit look like? Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So those are some, again, like the list of, um, what the old suit is like. This isn't a complete list, but what you notice about it is that those are all things you do for one another, right? That those are all relational. If you think that, you know, what it's like to, to put on the new, the new self, the new person, uh, the new nature is that you're going to be like Superman. You're going to jump tall buildings in a single bound or you're going to be smarter than Einstein or whatever. That's not what it means. The, the sort of things that, that Paul is focusing on here are relational things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So um, he, he goes on, he says, so be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgive you, give, forgave you, you also forgive each other. So, so he says, that's what this outfit is like. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of as kind of an overcoat on top of the outfit or whatever, you know, work this analogy as far as you want. He says, over all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So the purpose of all these things is to be united. That, that you can't be, um, you can't have the new nature if you're still all by yourself. So, so he says, the peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you are called in one body, and be thankful people. So he's painting this picture of, of what it's like to have the new nature, and we see it's very relational, it's, it's peaceful, it's not, um, uh, complaining about the other people, who uh, maybe their suit looks a little different. Um, so he he concludes this section. He says, The word of Christ must live in you richly. Uh, what he means there is that that first part, the first part we heard, there is a new suit. Yes, you can change. God can make you a, a different person. God can give you a new nature, yes. But the problem is that a month or a year later, you forget. You forget that you have been given a new nature, and you start thinking the old ways. And so he says, he says, the word of Christ must live in you richly, teach and warn each other with all wisdom. So keep reminding each other because it's easy to forget, right? You bump into some kind of trouble, some obstacle, and you say, okay, well, I guess I'm that old person, that, that old self. So, um, he says, he says, remind one another of that new, of that new nature because it'll either be brand new news for you or it'll be something you need to hear again because you've kind of forgotten. And I love this thing he says, and I think our translation gets this better than some, that you don't just sing because you like singing. You sing in order to do this. You know, it's good to remember. It's much easier to remember, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? Songs are great for as memory aids, right? So we, we, we learn things better when they're songs. But the other thing is, is um, I don't point my finger and say, you need to change, 
right? You need to start living into that new nature, right? I talk about us. I talk about what the new nature is, right? It's more generic, right? It's that song we all sing together, so it's not personal. No one is specifically telling you, hey, you need to change. So I think that's something about uh, the, about music that, that it can be uh, easier to take in. It kind of, um, uh, you know, if, if I point my finger at you and you say you need to change, that's kind of knocking on your front door. But music has a way of kind of sneaking around the back and coming in and, and saying, yeah, you know, I should probably change. So, um, so uh, I, I love that, that image. And he says, and so do all these things, um, not because you're irritated or whatever, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, you are doing this as somebody who has a new nature yourself and give thanks to God the Father through him. So, so there's, there's two pictures here, two things going on. The first one is that you have a new nature. And you can put it on. You don't have to wear that grubby outfit. So that's the first part. And the second part is you don't have to do it alone. So that's that's the picture that Paul paints of the church. First of all, it is a place where people can can um, hear the good news that God doesn't hate them. That that regardless whatever is going on in their life, whatever whatever tapes are playing in their head, whatever the circumstances of their life might lead them to believe, whatever whatever they think about God. God doesn't hate them. God loves them. God actually sent his son, Jesus, to reconnect us to him. And God sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to fix the things that are broken and to heal the things that hurt. So that's the first part of this, that God offers us that good news, that new nature, because uh, not, not because we're awesome, but because God wants us to be awesome, because God has chosen us. God has made us holy and uh, God loves us. So that's the first part. People deserve a place where they can hear that good news. And sometimes hear it for the first time, and sometimes hear it for the 100th time because they've forgotten. So the first thing the church does is it is a place where people hear the good news, that there is a new nature, that God loves them so much he's given them a new nature and they can put it on. The second thing, though, is that there is a community, a safe place where they can, you know, think of it as a dressing room, right? The church can be that place where you try it on and you, you know, kind of decide, do I look ridiculous in this or not? Or all the things you do when you're putting on a new outfit, right? You know, I better adjust, you know, I tied my tie wrong or whatever. You know, uh, you know, you figure out how to accessorize. I don't even know what all you do, right? But, but it's a safe place where nobody's going to ridicule you. And sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes you're trying to fix something about yourself and you don't get support. You get people saying, yeah, you know, another flash in the pan. Yeah, you'll be back. You know, you know, I've seen this before. Nothing, you know, you're, you're always going to be that way. Sometimes people are not supportive. And the purpose of the church is to be that kind of supportive place. So, so he says, these are the two things that the church gives you. The church gives you that new nature, but it also gives you a place to, to live into it. That that's what the church is about. <clears throat> um, I, I, I hate to, to change the metaphor because Paul thought of this one, and it's, therefore, it's better than mine. But I'm going to share this one anyway. So Friday Friday night, the, the Trinity Church had a um, family night, and so they had people come with their bikes. And uh, I don't know if they had a movie night. It was too cold for me to have a movie night, so I left after a while. But um, but while I was there, they were having, you know, biking around, all the little kids on their bikes. Um, and what they had done, the, the way the... the the parking lot is at Trinity. There's kind of the, the church building in the middle, and there's like a wraparound parking lot. And so what they had done is they had 
uh, walled off with cars. They walled off two in or two places. So there's a big chunk of the parking lot in the back that cars couldn't get into. And the reason for that is because they wanted the kids to be able to to ride their bikes safely. Now someday those kids will be doing crazy things. They'll be mountain biking or whatever, you know, doing jumps over canyons, right? But not yet. They haven't learned how to do those things. So so the church made a safe place for them to get better at biking. And so I think that's that's the 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 picture here that Paul is painting a place where you can actually work on those things and people will support you. People will have compassion and kindness and gentleness, tolerance, forgiveness, all those things. And so that is what the picture is. It is a place where people hear the good news that God loves them, God does not hate them and and also a place where they can live into and begin begin practicing the things that God the the new nature that God has given them. Um enables them to do uh, with support and encouragement and sometimes yes a warning you know you seem to have forgotten this thing you're wearing a new a new um, nature uh, and you can sing songs about how wretched you are or whatever so um, or, or how God has saved you so so those are the things you can do in the church and that is half of what you get when you contribute when you point part of your generosity to the church and I know it sounds kind of like a, um, a infomercial, but but you know, wait, there's more. Come back next week because we'll talk about the mission of the church. But all by itself, you know, thousands have been sold at this price, right? Just the idea of a safe community, um, a place where you can practice that new nature that God has given us. Um, but there's even more. So I invite you to be generous people and to point some of your generosity at the church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, uh, we thank you for the church that you have called us to and, and equipped us to be part of. Uh, we thank you for the new nature that we have in Christ. Um, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to um, use it in a way that builds up the entire body of Christ, um, not selfishly um, or for our own, you know, dealing with our own particular problems, but as a way of helping everyone else also um live into the new nature that you've given us. Lord, we pray for the church um, uh, and its mission, and we look forward to hearing more about the mission of the church that you invite us to support as well. Through Christ our Lord, amen.